Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. And to part three of our look at the murder of Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia. We've looked at Elizabeth's life. We've looked at what happened to her body and the discovery and the forensics behind this whole thing. But this week we are going to look at perhaps... Who did it? Now, there are so many different theories. In fact, an article was published uh, back in 2016 in The Guardian, in which a former LA police detective uh, has spent like a quarter of his life um, putting together evidence because he thinks his dad killed Elizabeth Short. Everybody has a theory about this. In fact, if you go to the declassified FBI files, there are countless letters regarding suspects, regarding questioning. There are just... This case is just, it's a Pandora's box. It's a Russian doll. Dad, let's start dealing with potentially who did it. Where do we even begin with this part of the case? <sighs> well, <clears throat> there was a... The, look, when I first started doing research on the suspects, mm-hmm. which basically sort of happened straight away, for me, I was convinced that it was a member of the military. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. But I've completely changed my mind. Because there's letters in here. I mean, there's there's telegrams to Washington basically naming specific members. Here we go. Uh, I've got one right here. Ansab Elizabeth Short, Urgent, a.k.a. Black Dahlia, Victim Mutilation Murder, Info Concerning Private Francisco B. Kerner, I think. Uh, and then it's got their registration number, enlisted October 16, 1941, considered likely suspect in short murder. Info available LAPD indicates Kerner deserter. So there's a bit of moral judgment there. No record indices this office. Request Bureau advise whether or not Kerner subject of deserter fugitive case, and if so, what office is origin? Wife of suspect, Mrs. Lee Kerner. It's got her residence. I mean, Dad, why do you think the ex-military thing was... Uh, discussed so seriously and across mm. so many parts of this case. Okay, well, she'd been seen with um, various members, uniformed 
gentleman. And she spent time on a military base. On a military base. Yeah. But, but, dear Paul. Yes. Are you aware that Elizabeth had, and this sounds like something out of a film noir movie, mm-hmm. but are you aware that in her, in her possession, mm-hmm. she had a black book? Did you know that? Yes. Okay. Now, what do you think was in the black book? Uh, look, potentially the names of people she was yeah. seeing. Guess how many men were in the book? How many? 60. I will say this much. A lot of people have tried to, and I'm not saying we're doing this or you're doing this, Dad, but a lot of people have uh, tried to victim blame and say, well, you know, she was kind of fooling around with a lot of people. I mean, you know what? You can fool around with people till the cows come home, even if you're not a fucking farmer. Live your life. I mean, just the- go hard. You don't expect to be fucking ending up on the side of a fucking street no. in Los Angeles, cut in two with the blood drained out of you. And in, in the first episode, we talked about the fact that, yes, she was found with certain belongings. And yes, in that bag was a black book. And I didn't know that the book was actually a book of, you know, just Names. people she was seeing. And that's, yeah. And yeah. she saw lots and lots of people. But does that mean that everybody in that book was a suspect? Oh, without a doubt. And what Jeez. happened, interestingly, uh, Paul and listeners, mm-hmm. yeah. is, okay, let's, let's, let's hypothesize for a moment. Okay. And I'll u- use you as an example, Paul. You yes. are a man and you are seeing this particular woman. Mm-hmm. And she I guess it's like the phone thing. Let's let's sort of move it into into the into our time where we all exchange names and numbers. We do it all the time. You get mm-hmm. someone's and you, you get them to call you, you see their number, you create a contact. Like the black book in this case in the 1940s yeah if someone if this was to happen today in sydney or melbourne or anywhere one of the great things one of the great tools that the police will will immediately use is the person's mobile phone and they will go to the contacts and let's say paul that you were having an affair an illicit sort of liaison rendezvous with a particular person and then you think holy shit she's on the news tonight She's just been murdered. They found her dis- disemboweled body on top of a tree or in, at the bottom of a gorge or whatever. And you think, oh, Jesus, my life's about to... Is, I'm about to just... Shit, what am I going to do? And what do you do, Paul? You do what some of the people did in her black book. They contacted the police. Mm-hmm. And they came in and said, shit, um, look, golly, I know I'm in her book. And then... So that's kind of interesting... Some people just immediately, and in my my opinion, based not on great science, but I guess on the balance of probabilities, uh, although there would be exceptions to my hypothesis, is that if you're going to do that, you're quite possibly not the offender. But that can, can also be completely wrong, where you okay. just want to fess up, but you know that actually you did it. But yeah, so that's sort of conjecture, but... You know, they, were, they had so much information. Here's, here's a fun fact. And this is very unusual, I think, is that more than 60 people, mostly men and a few women, confessed or have confessed to the murder over the years. Right. Imagine the police work having all these people, and hopefully some of them were charged with just, you know, being... Uh, you know, completely just stuffing the investigation up. You know, the, 
The number of police that were involved in this case in in the initial stages was around about 450 police. And, you know, the FBI, whilst they were not directly involved, they certainly, you know, gave a lot of assistance to the police. But in terms of suspects, Paul, one of the um, one of the military gentlemen that uh, you know was was clearly fond of uh, Elizabeth. He speaks about the first time that he ever went up into her room, and and he spent the night. But he described the night's events, and this is under police uh, cross examination. He's being examined later on as a witness to this particular crime. And he described in detail the evening. And he said, and I quote, this is from the um, the unredacted files mm-hmm. from the FBI. He says, and I just want you all to cast your minds back to last week's episode where he was of the opinion that, in fact, Elizabeth was a lesbian. How's that? So that's putting that with that other small bit of information about her spending time with the female police officer. And it's not just that she spent, you know, more than about a, about, about a week and a half with this police woman, which I don't know whether that's kind of... I'm just trying to sort of think of the, of the, the, the legalities of that whole I don't believe. No, I don't, look, I don't believe it was some... Uh, who knows? I don't... Mm, I, I, I just don't. think it's really dangerous to, to, you know, put all your sort of thoughts and, and sort of theories just continually just focus towards it being... Although it probably is and was a man, and I, 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 I'm comfortable with, with saying that, but I also like to think if you're going to read every single skerrick of information on the files mm-hmm. uh, you know other stuff starts to to sort of come to the fore in, in 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 sort of and these are very very tiny and possibly insignificant bits of information but a good detective will try and follow every lead and one of the theories as to why the body was cut in two is that it could have been a woman and she was not capable this is i'm not i'm just saying this as per of the time okay listeners don't sort of don't get upset with me making remarks about women's strength because God knows I've worked with some incredibly strong women. But one of the theories espoused at the time was the body was actually cut into to facilitate the the easy sort of or the ability to actually physically handle two parts of a body as opposed to one part. So I think that's sort of oh make all, it easier to make it easier to carry easier to carry right which is kind of mm, I'm not I don't. I don't buy that. Well, speaking of cutting, um, there was the theory floated recently, uh, well, in our last episode, I believe, that some level of medical expertise might have been required to do what was done here in terms of the dissection, right? Mm -hmm. So the FBI filed a request to the University of Southern California um, in reference to their medical students. And I can read a letter here that was sent uh, from the university to the director of the FBI. I'll Mm -hmm. read a bit of this for you. 
Dear Sir, the manner in which Elizabeth Short's body was dissected has indicated the possibility that the murderer was a person somewhat experienced in medical work. The LAPD has undertaken to develop suspects among the medical and dental schools in the area, as well as among other students who have anything to do with human anatomy. The University of Southern California Medical School was reluctant to turn over a list of their students to the police department without being assured that the names would not be indexed into police or FBI records as suspects in the case. This assurance has been given them. That is completely reasonable. Mm. I'm enclosing two copies of a list of the University of Southern California medical students, giving the names, addresses, birth dates, and Army or Navy compensation numbers where known. Those students with C numbers are in school under the GI Bill of Rights, in which case you would have a military link as well. Isn't that mm. interesting? Fascinating. It is re- it is requested that the Bureau search these names through the criminal record indices. Um, it will be noted that eight names are preceded with an asterisk. In these cases, if a fingerprint card is located for the individual, it is requested that a photographic copy of fingerprints be furnished to this office by airmail. It goes on and on and on. And But the reply from the FBI is really interesting. Um, References made to your letter of February 25th, 1947, submitting a list bearing the names of students enrolled in the medical school at the University of Southern California, requesting these names be searched through the criminal indices of the Identification Division in connection with the above entitled matter. You are advised that no criminal records were located for the individuals whose names are marked with an asterisk. However, non-criminal fingerprint cards were located for nine of these individuals, photographic copies of which are enclosed as requested. Interesting. Mm. Dad, um, the pool of suspects here is so vast. It's, it's I've never seen anything like it. It's bananas. Uh, I don't know why I said it that way. I mean, are you... Oh, I, have okay. some, I, I have some very strong theories. Okay, please, please very, uh, very furnish strong. us. Yes. So it's generally regarded in most circles that of the hundreds... Mm-hmm. Of suspects, there. I mean, you've heard of the famous film director, uh, writer, amazing guy, Orson Welles. Yes, he was a suspect. No. Mm. And that's kind of a little bit creepy. He was actually, in my opinion, if I may speak ill of the posthumous or posthumously gone and whatever. I th- I found him a very creepy person. Oh, I love Orson Welles. Yeah, Don't creepy. Oh, no. Sorry, mate. Um, he did uh, War of the Worlds. Well, he did the broadcast of the War broadcast, of the Worlds. Yes, which which was incredible. But also in the also, he, in, the, uh, also in the Muppet movie. But Paul, he he left around that time. He was working on a very famous um, movie, a Shakespearean production. Mm-hmm. And he was in the he was involved in editing and, and and really sort of working at the pointy end of this film. And he left the country. They tried the studios uh, in Hollywood tried to get him back, and he just he just would not come back. I'm not saying that it's not possible that somebody from Hollywood couldn't have committed oh. a crime. I mean, recently, you remember we uh, dealt with the film director who uh, probably killed his mistress. But mm. yeah, mm. it's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. A, but he's not a he's just a minor minor. Um, of course, you know, he was just a minor suspect. There were, but it's generally believed there were actually three main suspects. Now, the first was Robert Red Manley. You you made reference to him in episode so one. He's the guy who uh, who spent the night with mm. her and dropped her at the hotel at the Biltmore. Correct. Correct. Okay. Now he underwent numerous lie detector tests, right. which have been debunked over the years. But the Americans still, you know. They still use them. And oh, then the polygraph, yeah. Polygraph. Yeah. But then later on, some years later, he also submitted to 
being injected with sodium pentothal. Do you know about that? No. You've never heard of it? No, no. I, I mean, please remind me. Okay. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a truth serum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And they inject it into your body and they believe, and they've used it in the past, that it, it just makes you, it just takes away all your desire to, to lie. So it's called the truth drug. And, he, and he, he passed all these tests and he sort of sort of fell into, um, bearing in mind that he was the, uh, the last person, ostensibly. Right, um, you know, to see her. Um, but interestingly enough, um, you know, there's one suspect. I say three. There was also a guy called Ralph Alsdell, um, who was a detective. Now, I've got something very interesting I'd like to share. Please, I actually think I know which lady you're talking about, Dad. Um, I'm just going to read this. Uh, I want. <laughs> this is crazy. So. This was written to J. Edgar Hoover at the FBI. And if you've not heard of J. Edgar Hoover, quite an important person. Hmm. Dear sir, as you know, the Black Dahlia case has been quickly hushed up and apparently all covered up. No effort was really made to bring the culprit to justice. His name, Hawkins, and his room number here, 405. And all of his dirty work are well known to the police, but the little rascal is still here in 405 and begging the new landlords, Mr. and Mrs. Naylor, to stay. He was supposed to have left by the 18th by order of the sheriff. As for any material evidence now being available, that is possibly out of the question. For the firemen and police have been here many times cleaning up after Mr. Hawkins. I saw an old mattress being brought into the house here from a truck marked M. 
something 62 on the back left corner. Oh God, she's this woman's fastidious. On the 1st of Feb about 12.30 p.m. The new landlady says the firemen have found an enormous amount of old papers between this house and the next corner restaurant and saloons and that they have been clearing them out. The strip is only a couple of feet or so wide and directly under Mr. Hawkins' fourth floor windows. The Hoover Hotel Company that run this place, for Mrs. Stryker who owns it, know about these goings-on of Mr. Hawkins and tried to evict Mrs. Bernice, Bernice sorry, Benjamin as kind to old Hawkins as are the police. This was not Mr. Hawkins' first offence. I heard on good authority from several sources here in the house that a woman who had been with the old policeman, as they call Hawkins, was shoved when drunk from the roof or fourth floor and taken to the hospital. Probably the same ambulance took the Black Dahlia. Another affair that took place in his room and ended in a bookstore or magazine shop below my window on 5th Street, and which was quickly hushed up and the store vacated, now being used to store liquor, was more than suspicious. I will never forget the poor storekeeper's wife screaming and being suddenly choked still as long as I live. The old man with the white dog called Michael that used to live here and who talked too much about this affair has now disappeared. I am told he is in hospital from liquor poisoning. Hoping this information may be of service. Sincerely, Edith R. Thomas. So an old lady living in a building next to the site where the body was found. Is that correct? Close by, but Paul, uh, there's another report that's there far a... worse than that. Well, hang on. So, th- well, first there is a reply from Jay Gahoover. Mm. So he well, wrote a reply. He yeah. said, De- which is insane. Dear Miss Thomas, your letter dated February 28th, 1947 has been received. And I want to thank you for making this information available to me. The matter you mentioned does not come within the investigation jurisdiction of the Bureau, but I'm referring your comments to appropriate local authorities. Sincerely yours, J. Edgar Hoover, Director of the FBI. What was your letter? My letter is far worse than your letter. Is it the same different person? Same person, but another letter to J. Edgar Hoover where... She called the police. It was a serious domestic. Twelve police officers rocked up. Yep. The Ambos rock up. Yep. One of the neighbours sees the deceased person being brought out of his apartment. You ready for this? Yep. Her mouth had been cut exactly the same way. She was dead. Now, if that hasn't been buried, I don't know what has. Unbelievable. So there were look there were things happening, Paul. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think we de- we need to sort of come back to it, the person that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is um, the number one suspect. Who's the number one suspect, in your opinion? I'm glad you've asked me, Paul, because here I go. And this particular person is there's so much information. And I find with suspects and, and people you believe may or may not have, you know, been involved, yeah. this particular person, he fits the bill. Okay. So I'm going to uh, firstly uh, give you his name. His name was George Hoddle. Okay. Yeah. He was an American physician and he was also a suspect and, and, and he was one of the most sort of, I guess, I, I think he was probably the number one suspect. But he was a physician of some repute. Okay. And he was in Hollywood. And he was never formally charged. And But that doesn't matter. The thing is, Paul, that he was accused of raping his daughter. Okay? Her name uh, was Tamar Hoddle. And... She, I'm not going to go into the graphics of, of that whole story, 
but I've read a lot of the transcripts and it's not pleasant. It, in fact, it made me gag, okay, excuse the pun. But he was, uh, he, he introduced her into, into incest when she was 11. And, uh, but he was very, very well connected. And he actually ran a clinic in California and it was to do with sexually transmitted diseases. Now, sexually transmitted diseases back in the 1940s, mm -hmm. syphilis, gonorrhea, etc., were rampant in, in Hollywood. Can you imagine his clients and can you imagine the information he must have had about... It's very sensitive information. Imagine mm. if some movie star comes in, probably through the back door. He probably had a, a special, you know, entrance for for very famous people because you just are not going to walk in the front door of a sexually transmitted diseases sort of institute. You're going to it's it's going to be very discreet. But he was very, very sus, and he. He basically became a suspect because they found photographs that looked like um, Elizabeth. And he used to go to a lot of parties and he was a he was a real um, aficionado of bondage and discipline. And one of the most disturbing parts of this story, Paul, is that he was great friends with the artist Man Ray. And do you know anything about Man Ray? No. No, okay. well, I know I know Man Ray's art. Yeah. Well, there's a particular painting by Man Ray. Oh no. Okay. Of a female that is cut in two. Mm -hmm. And the arms and legs are posed exactly the way Elizabeth was found on that fateful morning. Right. There's actually a photograph in existence of this George Hoddle with Man Ray and that particular painting. And I've seen the painting, I've seen the photos, and it's quite unbelievable. And um, George Hoddle, if you read all about... Um, you know his history. Mm -hmm. He um, he was a very interesting character, and he, um, he he studied medicine. He had an IQ of um, 186. I've never even heard of an IQ that high. And he was a musical prodigy. He he graduated at the age of 15. He he was he had to leave school early. He started when he was 15. He enrolled in uh, engineering, but but at the age of fifteen or or getting near sixteen, he had to leave the university um, because of a sex scandal involving a professor's wife. Can you imagine that? Right. And the story goes that he'd impregnated or made her pregnant, and he wanted he so he's sixteen years of age. He's had he's having an affair with a professor's wife. He gets her pregnant. She doesn't want the baby, but he wants her to have the baby, and they want, and he wants them to live, you know, together happily ever after. That's weird and unusual. And she, of course, said no. And of course, the professor and the wife's marriage fell apart. 
Um, he, he got married quite a few times. He, I'm looking at a photograph of him here and he's, well, I know you can't judge a book by its cover, but I'm going to and he looks fucking creepy. Uh, have you seen a photo of him? No, I haven't, no. no. It's just bizarre. Right. And um, yeah, he, he became a, um, you know, a major, major suspect. And he uh, basically became a suspect because um, he was a su- suspected sex criminal in the right. area. And they were investigating all the sex criminals, of which there must have been numerous. And also he had a medical degree, okay? So that immediately... Because that college, that university you mentioned, do you know how many suspects initially the FBI had to investigate at that, that medical university? There were 300. Right, okay. So this just gives you an idea of the, the incredible numbers involved. And he also had it, he had a very, very good knowledge of how to bisect a body, mm-hmm. okay? And there were eight witnesses, first-hand witnesses, that claimed that Hoddle had had a relationship that began in 1946. And, uh, yeah. And then, of course, the, the, the extraordinary part of this particular story is that Hoddle's son, who became a homicide detective in Los Angeles, the son has now, and for some time, um, postulated that his father was, in fact, the murderer. Okay. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah that's that's that is very interesting. Um, so imagine if, um, God forbid, if we do the true crime podcast, Paul, and then there's a terrible crime in Sydney, and then I pass away, and then you begin to suspect me. Well, then- we we I mean we always talk about needing new content, but I think that's taking that to a quite intense level. I know it's, it's, it's incredible, but but Paul, it also needs to be known that look. A lot of this information was kept very um, on the QT, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of that sort of makes me think that the Los Angeles Police Department were were perhaps complicit in you know people that were in the know. Certain right. stuff, certain information was definitely was kept quiet. And in the nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. a file was revealed in relation to the Dahlia murder, uh, murder. Sorry, that. An 18-man team with the Los Angeles Police Department, get ready for this, an 18-man team between February the 5th and March the 27th, 1950, Mm -hmm. electronically bugged um, his house. Okay. And I'm going to read a very short two-line part of the transcript. Sure. Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia... They can't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. I killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. And Hoddle was interviewed as a suspect in June 1949 Mm -hmm. for another murder, the murder of Louise Springer. And that right. was called the Green Twig Murder. So, you know, do you not get the feeling that something was, you know, not quite right? Yeah. Look, that's 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 pretty interesting. That's that's. And he that's also had a, and he also had a degree in psychiatry. Right. And he okay. counts he he counselled prisoners. Yeah. In a prison in Hawaii, and yeah. you know, it's just. I think it's um. 
I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it's look. Regardless of who did it or not, I think look, we're never going to be able to actually lock it down and actually prove it. Mm. Uh, but I'm just, oh my god, this case has absolutely blown me away. It's it's so intense and so depressing. I just look. If you have an opinion, listeners, as to who you think did it, whether you think it's Hoddle or someone else, uh, whether you think it's a medical student or whether you think... I mean, I know some people suggested it was like the son of a of a sitting US senator and that's why it was covered up. Mm. I mean, that just sounds like peak conspiracy theory stuff to me, but God, it's interesting, isn't it? Fascinating. Oh God, it's so interesting. And it's just... It's, it's an unsolved crime of incredible magnitude and what happened was deeply tragic and completely bizarre. There's a real distinct lack of coverage about this case that I could find that was actually any good. Um, I had the same pro- I, I have that problem a lot with true crime stuff uh, and I sometimes wish that somebody would just break it apart into terms that I would find digestible and understandable on a kind of entry level level mm. and that's I, I hope that's what we've done. Mm. So Dad, thank you for sitting down with me for the past three weeks and talking through the Black Dahlia killing um, the killing of Elizabeth Short. I really, uh, I hope wherever she is, she's doing okay. Mm. God, what a terrible thing to happen. Just shocking. So traumatic. Mm. Well, thank you so much for listening to our kind of mini series look at the Black Dahlia. And thank you so much for listening once again to more Loose Units. We have some incredible stuff lined up over the coming weeks. And we've got some great stuff lined up for you over the Christmas period. We are not taking a break this year. That's right. We're going to be sticking around, getting you through the holidays. So don't, don't worry. Also, we are really looking forward to seeing you in Melbourne for our live shows. So if you haven't already got your tickets, uh, grab some tickets. If there's any left to our December shows, uh, we will see you very, very soon for more Loose Units. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.